0: this episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Today, friend of the show, Aaron Miller, goes on location to take you on an audio adventure through one of my all time favorite cities, stunning San Francisco. And you'll be exploring the city in the most iconic way possible by taking a ride on San Fran's historic cable cars, the only cable car system left in the entire world, I might add. Along the way, you'll tour through San Francisco's Chinatown and discover where you can learn how to write your own future. Yes, it's true. Where you can spend time in a tropical island paradise without leaving the city limits. The seafood restaurant where all the local fishermen eat. You're going to hear a 2,000-year-old instrument, the rumble of a cable car, and many other highlights along the way. It's all happening right now in this episode. So buckle up, strap in, thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend.
1: You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle and business opportunities helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams.
0: And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, jason moore hey there it's jason here with zero to travel.com welcome to the show my friend thanks for hanging out letting me bring a little travel into your ears today this is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire no matter what your situation or experience today you'll be exploring san francisco we've got a podcast of that same name exploring San Francisco. You can find all the details on the podcast and for planning your next trip to San Fran at sftravel.com. And we're going to drop you a special episode today. I'll tell you how this one came about. First of all, a quick story. When I was on my very first national tour as a tour manager after college, I was traveling to a different city every week. And they told me on my week off... I could fly anywhere in the country. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm going home. Where am I going to go? I couldn't believe they were going to buy me a flight to anywhere the company was. And I said, book me a ticket to San Francisco. It was the very first place I wanted to go. I'd always wanted to go. I'd never been. And it didn't disappoint. It never disappoints, that San Francisco. And one of the first things I did was, of course, ride one of those iconic cable cars. And you'll hear audio from those cable cars today. Of course, you're going to get a history. They're celebrating the 150th anniversary of San Francisco's cable cars in this episode, but it's not just the cars they talk about. As you heard at the top, you're also going to be exploring the city, and I love these audio adventures, and nobody does a better job of putting them together than my friend Aaron Miller, host of the Armchair Explorer podcast. He puts together a lot of these shows for various destinations, and that's why you've heard some of them here, just top-notch stuff. He's on location having conversations with those people on the ground and it's a wonderful episode and I'm excited to share it with you today. Just one more time, this is an episode from the Exploring San Francisco podcast. Please enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. I'll leave you with a nice quote to send you off on your way. Very appropriate for this episode. So (laughs) stick around for that. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the other side, my friend.
2: As you can hear, I have just arrived at the city by the bay. Now there are many great cities in California. LA is glittering and cool. San Diego is all suntanned and golden sand. But San Francisco, San Francisco has soul. And we're gonna explore it in the most iconic way possible. Are you ready to take a ride? Let's go. Always iconic, always memorable, but never the same. Welcome to Exploring San Francisco. We begin our tour at the Cable Car Museum on Mason Street, but this is actually way more than just a museum. This is the powerhouse. It was here in 1873, just as San Francisco was beginning to blossom, that the huge spinning sheaves you can hear now were put in place to pull the cables in a constant loop around the city. We're here to meet legendary Gritman Val Looper's and celebrate the 150th anniversary of San Francisco's cable cars.
3: So, oh, well. welcome to the cable car barn. This is car number 42. It's an original of Errol Jones Hyde car from 1907. This is real gold leaf. It only comes out very, very rarely. Oh, this is the big 19. This is the oldest, largest cable car in the entire city. These guys are 1887, this
2: is 1884. So
3: um, very close to among the first cable cars. In fact, downstairs in the museum, I don't know if you saw right at the front door, that little tiny, tiny thing, that is the first, one of the very, very first. That one's 1873. Yeah, this is the like the... Um Dowager queen
2: of the fleet if you will.
3: <laughs> right. I didn't
2: realize that there was such variation and different paintwork and different styles. Yes. It's got this gorgeous green kind oh, of ornate yeah, and gold and brass and, and this one's just like this polished wood poles and stuff. Yeah. It's really unique, isn't it? Because it there's not many historical landmarks that you can actually drive, yes. right? This is the only cable car system
3: left in the entire world. I like to say there's close to a million bus drivers throughout the entire world, and hundreds of thousands of subway train operators. There are 85 cable car gripmen in the entire world, the entire world, and I'm one of them. I get to be one of them.
2: Before the great earthquake of 1906, there were more than 600 cable cars in San Francisco. Today, there are 44. And of the original 12 lines, only three are left.
4: Come
3: on in, have a seat. Come into my office.
2: Val's office is inside the cable car itself. Of course, he's a grip man.
3: I'm one of those very rare, fortunate individuals that, you know, when you're a little kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a police officer. I want to be an astronaut. I want to do that. I wanted to be a cable car equipment. And so that's what it means to me, personally. It's, just, it's the culmination of a, a childhood dream come true. How are cable cars invented? How do they start here? There's a gentleman named Andrew Halliday, and he owned a steel wire cable works. There's this wonderful apocryphal story about how supposedly he was walking up the street one day, eighteen late 1860s, and And he saw this team of horses pulling the car up the hill, and the the hooves are slipping on the cobblestones, and the driver is whipping them, go, go, move! And the horses slipped, and they fell, and the car
2: dragged them back down to the bottom of the hill, and it's a horrible mess. That story has gone now into the annals of San Francisco legend. It may be accurate, but what's definitely true is that Halliday was a businessman. He made wire rope, cables basically, which after arriving in the gold rush of 1852, he sold to mining companies to haul their ore. What's also true is that horse and carriages simply could not handle the infamous San Francisco Hills. He saw an opportunity. Instead of just hauling gold, What if the same technology could transport people as well? He spent a year building the infrastructure, digging up the streets, creating the powerhouse, laying cables underground until finally, on August 2nd, 1873, he was ready. People thought he was out of his mind. The fellow that Halliday had hired to be the very first grip man,
3: got up there and took one look down and went, I quit. I'm not doing this. No, 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 no. And then the story goes to Halliday went, oh, fine. Okay, I'll do it. But luckily for him, it worked, and within, yeah, a few
2: months, oh, my goodness, it, he was on something. And now it just took off like wildfire. Halliday's folly, as it was initially known, spread around the world for a time. Eventually, the cars were superseded by newer, more efficient means of transport, but not here in San Francisco. Halliday's are not only the first manually operated cable cars, they're also the last. And though ingenious and resilient, they are not easy to drive.
5: What do you think if you were to size Aaron up, would he be a qualified gripman over here?
2: This is producer Jason Patton dropping me in it. (laughs) You go to the gym? You work out? You like being outdoors? (laughs) Yes, but I don't know. I don't know know if I'd make it. I'm just going to be honest with you.
3: It's a misconception that it's all about physical strength. It's not. Physical strength definitely helps, of course it does, but it's about attitude and technique. Because if you just do nothing but muscle it all day long, you're going to end up with dislocated shoulders and pulled muscles. You learn the right technique. You save your muscles. Work smarter, not harder. It's 19th century technology. It has not changed. You know, I tell my students, you think you're tougher than the cable car. Cable car beat up your great-grandpa. Beat up your grandpa. Beat up your dad. Beat you up. You're going to be up your son, you're going to be up your grandson. <laughs> Cable crows, like, come here, come here. You think you're tough?
2: Come here, i got something for you. Well, you terrified me and I'm definitely not capable now. And <laughs> 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 thankfully, we're up in the barn and we're stationary. We're not going anywhere. But what's the technique? Could you show me?
3: Yeah,
2: OK, so this handle here is called the grip.
3: Basically, think of it as a giant pair of flyers. Mm-hmm. A very primitive clutch. This is the release. When you pull back, The jaws clamp down onto the cable, and then you release it, and let's go, and then the car slows down. The concept is really simple. The execution is a nightmare. (laughs) This is called the track brake. If you look underneath the car, the wooden 2 by Mm 4s press down onto the rails, basically lift up the car. I like to come down where I am controlling the car, not the cable because when you come down on the cable, that's
2: calling the shots. Mm. So you're not just gripping it at the start and then monitoring the brakes and it's staying gripped on. You're constantly coming on and off. You are constantly, Well, okay, if you're
3: coming up a steep hill, you engage the grip and you would leave it there. But on flat ground or downhill, right, you're constantly constantly engaging, re-engaging, disengaging.
2: Okay, so I'm I'm coming up here, and this is the primary brake? This is the primary brake. Okay, all right. I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it a little pull back here. (laughs) That feels good! (laughs) But it's very physical, I mean, this thing comes up to my chin. That's not even applied yet. Really? Yeah. So that's way heavier when you're actually driving it for real. I see what you mean, you gotta, you've kinda gotta lean your whole body weight into it that feels cool though (laughs) you know what i mean you're not just sitting here doing this with power steering right yeah you're using your whole body to drive it yeah absolutely wow that's so cool all right well let's go for a ride and you drive It's really cool because everything kind of comes through this space here, and there's just constantly cars coming in and out. They're all different colors. They're from all different eras and times. Uh, there's lots of bells ringing. It's just a really cool way to start our tour around the city.
3: My start from here, head out to Fisherman's Wharf. We'll pass Chinatown. We'll pass Lombard Street to Crooked Street. You get that beautiful, it's a really nice day, that beautiful view, Alcatraz, Golden Gate Bridge. In fact, you guys are just on the right side. The bridge will be on your side. You see Marin County. Uh, It should be really spectacular today. From Lombard all the way down to the bottom, it's just, it's almost an embarrassment of riches. It's just so much to look at. All right, guys, Hold on. You're gonna hear me repeat that line
2: over and over. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. All right, we're just pulling out of the barn and immediately going downhill. This is fantastic. See he's really pulling on that brake now.
3: Step up, guys. Basically, feel it when you catch it, when you catch yeah. the cable? oh yeah. That's another thing about this job. Almost all of it's tactile. You know, it's feel, sound, sight, even smell, believe it or not. You can smell the cable when it's burning up. You can smell your brake shoes when they start to burn up a little too much. You're using almost all of your senses. It's really... Hold on, guys
2: let the cable, and now we're being pulled up. And it really does feel like you're being pulled. So this is nine and a half miles an hour. This is the speed that the cable is actually looping around the city. And Val's just letting the cable take us up now. Wind in our air. You can feel the whole cable car vibrating, bell ringing. complete opposite of being in a bus or being in a car and driving around a city like that where you're encapsulated here you are part of it you're smelling it you're feeling it vibrating this is the only way to see San Francisco because you really feel it you're part of it this is the only place in the world that you actually get a ride on a piece of history you're cruising on an antique and boy does it move, and boy does it move. Another car here i'm just gonna wave to these guys Go really close only a few feet away watch out jason whoa
4: <laughs> coming out anybody from chinatown coming out for chinatown chinatown anyone anyone
2: this is our first stop and the voice you heard by the way is the conductor of the cable car we're going to be catching up with him later
6: so you are right now at Porsum Square Park, and it was established with the uh, gold rush in 1849.
2: This is Gimme Park Lee who's showing us around.
6: So uh, people came here, Chinese came too. They came uh, from small villages. They were uh, primarily uh, teenage boys because they were chosen uh, by their villagers. So they'd have to get to Port City, find their way, buy a, a ticket with that money, 44 bucks. That's what it costs, one way.
2: It was a grueling crossing and when they finally got off the boat they walked up the hill expecting as reports had said streets paved with gold but they found something very different
6: this was considered the poorest part of san francisco the, the very least developed part at that time in 1849 of the gold rush and they actually were forced to live together like i think that's called a ghetto They were forced to live together because they were not uh, able to move out of this area. They were stereotyped and uh, ostracized from living in other places. The uh, uh, Chinese who went up to the Sierra Nevada, which is north of us, that's where the goal was. They were met with signs. They couldn't read them, but they knew what they said. It said there was a foreign miners' tax, so they they weren't allowed to... uh, to mine so what did they do some of them came back here some of them stayed up there to uh, provide services for the other miners the ones who stayed here now they had no money but they established restaurants they put a walk on the sidewalk and that was your restaurant they started laundries uh, and they also started grocery stores small time remember they couldn't buy a building they couldn't even rent but people came here and slowly it grew
2: but it wasn't easy. The 1906 earthquake and subsequent fire reduced Chinatown to embers. But it rose from the ashes to become one of the most visited places in the city. And though it is a tourist attraction, that's a big part of their economy and always has been, it's also real. Let's,
6: uh, let's go up here for a while. we gonna... no, we better go here.
2: Gimme okay. Okay. takes us to a traditional Chinese medicine shop. Dried herbs designed to be boiled into teas line the aisles in rainbows of colors and scents. What would you recommend? I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get something. Yeah. yeah. Well,
6: what, what what fits your fancy?
2: I mean, there's so much wrong with me. I don't. I need so much help. This is grain food, right? <laughs> you know me so well already. <laughs> We visit the Golden Gate Fortune Cookie Factory where as many as 10,000 fortunes are churned out every day. Oh my gosh, it smells delicious. Yeah. Fortune cookies are coming out of yeah. fresh out of the yeah. oven and we're standing in line to pick them straight out of the oven and you can write your own fortune on a little slip of white paper, and she'll put it inside the cookie when it's warm, fold it up into the fortune cookie, and then let it cool, and you can take it home with you. This is the only place where you really get to write your own future. Off of the oven, folding them into the magic fortune cookie, and now our fate is sealed, and it's all good news, because I wrote the fortune. But I can't tell you what it said. Of course, it's a secret. Otherwise, the magic wouldn't work. But I can tell you, it was the most delicious fortune cookie I have ever had. We sampled traditional Chinese teas, watched dim sum being made by hand, and strolled the lantern-strung streets, pagoda towers adorned in red, yellow, and gold all around. And then, Hidden in an otherwise nondescript shop called Shangri-La Gifts on Grand Street, we found something truly unexpected. And you play it? We're both musicians and we've never heard it before, so. Yeah, we, we
6: can go upstairs and it uh, Really? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so special, thank you. <laughs> this
2: is Fang Yi, and as well as working in the gift shop, she also plays and teaches traditional Chinese music. Oh, I can hear it already. So I can hear it played already upstairs. Right
6: now it's the summer
2: break, so um, my students stay here for practice and uh, for lessons.
6: Oh, that sounds beautiful. Hello. Okay. Hi there.
2: You, Hi, sorry to bother you guys. <laughs> this is one of Fang Yi's students. She's playing a Gu Zhang. It's five feet long, made of polished wood and carved in intricate designs on either end. And though she plays like a master, this student is only six years old. It's so beautiful. What's your name? Katie. Katie, you play beautifully. You're a wonderful musician. Is it fun to play? Yeah. What's the? Because the instrument just mm-hmm. looks like a beautiful work of art. What's mm-hmm. the history of the instrument?
6: Uh, this instrument start Qing Dynasty. Mm-hmm. It's two thousand five, six hundred years ago. Yeah. So uh, before it's thirteen strings. Right now it's twenty one. Yeah, become to oh. twenty one. Mm, that sounds very nice. It's like a waterfall.
2: It's like a kind of horizontal harp mm-hmm. in a way, with different tunings. And I loved how Katie, you were bending the notes. Yeah. And when you do the really, really fast part,
0: that's so cool. <laughs> hey,
6: if you have time, you can listen to her play the Zhan phone. Can yes. I?
0: We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show.
2: This is Catherine, Katie's sister, and as she plays, I close my eyes and am completely transported. How long have you been playing for?
6: Uh, maybe three or two years.
2: That's it? I thought you have been playing for like 50 years. You're so good. <laughs> What's that one called?
6: The song called... It's called Sun Typhoon. It's about a big storm. <sighs>
2: Catherine, Katie, thank you so much. That was so special for us to hear that. You are an amazing teacher, by the way. Oh my gosh, these children are incredible. Thank you. Okay, thanks again, guys. Nice to meet you. you. meet you. Nice to meet you guys. The Chinese immigrants who came to San Francisco have kept their culture alive, while at the same time raising each generation up through education and hard work. Chinatown is a part of the soul of San Francisco, not because it's amalgamated into the culture, but because it isn't. It's unique and it's celebrated for that. But for now, it's time to jump back on the cable car. We're heading to the Fairmont Hotel at the top of Knob Hill to visit a wildly eccentric, beloved, and pure San Francisco piece of history. Plus, they sell cocktails. How are you doing, young man? It's not bad. It's, it's a great day. Great. It's a beautiful day. Oh, yeah, it's a cool. day. Nice, uh, nice office here. Nice little view. You got a nice
4: office. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is the place to be.
2: This is smooth. That's what he goes by.
4: As a conductor, you kind of...
2: You're in a position
4: to, to have hands on with everyone. And in and, and my job, I want everybody to be happy and enjoy the ride. So I, I interact with them to get them to talk and get them to see where you're from and you're enjoying yourself. Anything I can do to help you, I'm glad you know. And you just love to see people smile. Yeah.
2: So it's smooth because it's the 150th anniversary of the cable cars, right? Absolutely. So what do you think the next 150 years from now will still be riding these? I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah.
4: I, I would love for them to extend it out to the beach. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. To be ah, oh, man, that would be, be a beautiful run.
4: On the California, just take it all the way out. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine the, the joy of the people having a good time and do the loop, come on back? That would be just wonderful. I'm communicating with him, letting him know it's clear for him to go around this turn. You know, one bell is stopped, two bells is clear to go, four bells is for backing the car down, Three bells means emergency stop immediately right now. And he can, he can give me three bells. Right. Tell me, give me all he got. Or yeah. if, if he's going down the hill and he does not feel my break, yeah. he'll give me a bell. Right. That means he tightened me up a little bit. Yeah. You know he needs some yeah. more break. And see, he thought I was telling him to stop. He respond to my bell and say, ding, because it was a one bell. Yeah. He respond to it. That's interesting. You know. The whole language. Now we saw clear, let him know it's we clear, we clear. I just okay. it's clear. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do some work. Oh, All right.
2: Oh, really? Oh my god, this is a big responsibility.
4: Why <laughs> don't you give me the cue?
2: I'm holding the, the brake now back you're here. I'm
4: gonna pull it towards you.
2: Okay. I'm kind of nervous.
4: <laughs> <It looks laughs> nervous. I don't want to mess this up.
2: <laughs> this is fun. Thanks, Smooth. This is awesome. Right,
4: we'll see when he's ready
2: you got to pull hard, right? He
4: just released his brake. OK, pull.
2: Come on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> God. my God. I just flew forward. I know they fell out. Come on. Some what do I do? Pull
4: some brake on. Pull. <sighs> to to One more. One more. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> Strong, man. Yeah, you that's know tell you what.
2: <laughs> Clearly, I am not qualified to be the driver or the conductor. And it's a lot of work. As we talk, Smooth is constantly jumping out, conducting traffic, lifting switches in the street when we change track, taking tickets, and making people laugh.
4: To, to, work, on, to work on such a historical equipment is, is, a wonderful, is wonderful by itself alone. You know, these is historic vehicles here, you know? And it's a beautiful thing. It means a lot. You know, one of the few, you know. California, coming up next, Knob Hill. California, Knob Hill. This is
2: it. Oh, this is it. Smooth. It was my pleasure. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks for letting uh, me have a go.
4: Have a wonderful day, you guys. Be careful.
2: The Fairmont Hotel was built at the worst possible time. When mining mogul and Senator James Graham Fair died, he left his daughter Tessie the most sought after plot of land in the city, a perch at the top of Knob Hill. Along with her sister Virginia, they built this palatial hotel in his honor. But just as it was set to open its doors, the 1906 earthquake hit and the city started to burn. They rebuilt and to this day, it's as lavish as they intended. Golden marble pillars adorn the entrance, windows gaze out to the bay. Nearly every president since William Taft has stayed here. The charter that established the United Nations was drafted here. Tony Bennett first performed, I left my heart in San Francisco within these walls. His statue outside the Fairmont, commemorating the great man and that special moment. And then there's the Tongaroo. Now that is one of my favorite sounds in the whole world. (laughs) You've got your shaker. This is your cocktail, man. I'm Aaron, by the way. How you
7: doing? I'm Josh. Nice to meet you. Josh is one of the lead bartenders. So this place was designed by Mel Melvin, a set designer from MGM. Uh, A thing I hear quite often from customers when they walk in, as soon as they walk in, they're kind of taken away by the place. But they always say, This reminds me of Disneyland and the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. But uh, it's funny because, you know, we were actually here before Disney. We were in 1945, and Disneyland is 1955. So... So maybe they, they got some inspiration from us. No. <laughs> it looks like a film set. Like it's a wow moment when you walk in here, isn't it? Cause it's
2: mad. You've come from like a historic hotel. You walk through a door and you're in a tropical island with a lagoon and a ship and rigging and tiki huts and looking out at a pool. Inside your restaurant. Like, that's something I've never seen before. It's kind of nuts, isn't it?
7: It is, it is. There's actually a term for that. It's called escapism. Okay. The whole point of it is to make you feel like you're escaping to another place, you know? So, you know, you're walking in the streets of San Francisco, you walk in here, and you feel like you're somewhere far away in Polynesia or in a tropical paradise. With a pool in the
2: restaurant. I can't emphasize that enough. And not only that, in true Polynesian style, It monsoons thunder and lightning over the lagoon every 15 minutes in the restaurant.
7: And we get people that jump in there all the time. (laughs) So it actually used to be something that would happen every weekend, but because it was happening so much, uh, we actually had to implement a fine. Well, it started at 500 and we found that people were still jumping in, so they had to bump it up to a thousand (laughs) dollars.
2: I will
5: be staying
1: dry.
2: (laughs) Tiki culture was brought to San Francisco by legendary bartender and Bay Area local Trader Vic. It was here that he invented perhaps the most iconic tiki cocktail of all time.
7: The cocktail we make is basically Trader Vic's original 1944 Mai Tai, which is just, it's pretty much straight booze. The only juice in it is lime.
2: Sounds delicious
7: and dangerous. They're creepers. They creep up on you, you know. Then you have one, two, and all of a sudden you're you're feeling like you're... uh, Actually, in Polynesia, or floating in a Ogu-
2: lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> Vacations and whatnot, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah
7: exactly. So, we're going to start with uh, some dark rum. Two ounces of dark rum. We'll put an ounce of some light rum in there. Dark rum was from Jamaica. Light rum will be from Trinidad. Then, we have some orange Curacao from the island of Curacao. One ounce of that. We'll have another ounce of fresh lime juice. And we like to have fresh ingredients here. It makes a huge difference on the cocktails. Uh, we'll have half an ounce of Orgeat, which is a French almond syrup. And then finally, we just have a little half an ounce of simple syrup, which is just uh, water and sugar. Give it a little shake here. I love that. Top it off with crushed ice here. Okay. And the garnish for the Mai Tai is uh, a lime wheel, which is to represent a small island. And the mint spring, which is to represent a small palm tree. Give me a straw, here you are.
2: Islands in a glass. All right, cheers. Paradise in a glass. Yeah. Cheers. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to go jump in the lagoon. <laughs>
7: no, <I'm laughs> thank kidding. you. Yeah. Maybe not after the first one, maybe after a couple yeah, more. Exactly. You know?
2: A couple more, and then I'm in. to right. end. Cheers. Gonna off. Cheers. We're going to fall off that cable car. <laughs> <laughs> Not if Val has anything to do with it. We head back to the Pal Hide line to catch up with him and set off on the final leg of our journey.
5: So, uh, this part of the city is a uh, Russian Hill. So it's there's, you know, it's famously built on like seven hills. There's more of a Russian Hill's one of the big ones. And so it's just quintessential neighborhoods like this is super San Francisco.
2: This is San Francisco local Aaron Danzig, who's joining us for the last part of our ride to Fisherman's Wharf.
5: This area is kind of known for being up high on the hills, is where a lot of the rich uh, people moved to, because it was like prime real estate, and if you were, couldn't afford to live up there, you couldn't afford to get up there, so it was kind of a way to kind of separate people a little bit, but the, the cable car kind of changed that, and made it more accessible to get to the top of the hill, And so there's a lot of mansions and a lot of historical properties up here, but it's definitely changed since.
2: At time. So we're starting to go downhill now, so that's that's Alcatraz. We're seeing the water now; it's absolutely gorgeous. Little white caps out there, low fog, and we're, this is now feeling like a bit of a roller coaster. Oh, you can't see over the crest of the hill. It's that steep. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you come up to the crest of a roller coaster, in that moment before you drop down. I'm kind of holding on a lot tighter than I thought I would be. Hold
3: <laughs> on.
2: It smells literally like wood burning because that's what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> you're not burning rubber, you're... <laughs> yeah. Is that what you say here? We're burning wood. <laughs>
5: here on your left, this is gonna be the Buena Vista Cafe. This is where they invented the Irish coffee. Very historic, yeah. This is a really great place to stop by. Irish coffee, get a bowl of chowder. It's in a, in a sourdough bread bowl. It's right next to the cable car. How much more San Francisco do you get than that? Mr. Mentor,
3: high to 10. Final stop, end of the line. Ladies and gentlemen, your eight bucks just ran out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it's eight dollars well spent. (laughs) So, how was your first cable car ride? Oh man, that was amazing. That's the way to do it, isn't it? Val, <laughs> wow, you're an absolute legend. Thank you so much. It's been so cool. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. Oh, I want to be fun. a cable car. I want to be a grip man when I drive up. When I grow up, Here's now class. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the end of the line, but it's not the end of our line and not the end of our journey today. We've just arrived at Fisherman's Wharf. It's absolutely gorgeous. I can see the top of Golden Gate Bridge poking above the fog and uh, all that adrenaline has worked up an appetite. So we're going to go to Skomas now, one of the best places in the city for fresh, sustainable seafood. And we're about to eat some beautiful crab cakes and just have fun in this lovely sunny day. Fisherman's Wharf is a lot of fun. Vintage arcades.
5: All right, here we go. Here's some quarters.
2: I got a handful of quarters. Thanks, (laughs) staff. Ferries to Alcatraz, historic ships, maritime museums, music, fresh fish straight from the sea, and, of course, at Pier 39, San Francisco's famous sea lions. A resident and noisy population has adopted the harbor as its home. But it was here too that another immigrant story began, another part of that diverse soul of San Francisco. And one place on the wharf, perhaps more than any other, exemplifies that story. We've had our cocktail, now it's time for dinner.
8: Yeah, come on in. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh my Everything gosh, I'm getting the, the smell years. as soon
2: as I come in oh here. I was God. hungry before I got here
8: and now I'm starving. Well. Local fishermen tell me I know them all, and they said this is the only place they would eat. <laughs> and so that's a, that's, that's. what a, you need to know. Uh, yeah.
2: This is Tom Creedon, the owner of Skoma's Restaurant.
8: Hey, let's uh, let's take a walk down here uh, alongside the boats and uh, get us a seed out in the fresh air.
2: This is such a beautiful place. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Right here,
2: looking out at the harbor, there's boats. You can hear the kind of wind chimes and seagulls are flying around and the sun's shining. Looking back up the hill of San Francisco, like this is this is it, this is the spot. All right, okay. And i got to tell you, I, uh, you I'm vanished, so this you. is perfect. Hello. Put two and two together sometime, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Salvatore? It's so nice to meet you. The server with a broken English. <laughs> the English may be a little broken, but the accent is perfectly at home. Because Scoma's story is also the story of the Italian immigrants who, like the Chinese, were drawn to the city during the gold rush and would go on to define what it's
8: become today. Joe Scoma was out rowing here in a boat and he saw this this place and he, I guess the guy said that he was wanted to sell it it had six stools it had a pinball machine in there I mean it was a, a hangout for the fisherman and uh, when he bought it he started a little bit at a time add-on 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 and within a, a short time you know there was a big waiting line and they basically started off with uh, dishes That that Al and Joe's mother had uh, cooked for them when they were kids. And she came over from Sicily, never did learn any English. Her whole thing was taking care of the family, cooking. Mm. That was the start. Mama's coma.
4: Sorry. Oh, here Um, we go. Interrupted for a good reason. Mm. We have some uh, calamari fritti, some
2: crab cake, and some scallops wrapped with Spanish.
8: Buon appetito! Get in there while it's hot. Don't let me eat alone.
2: I'll tell you what, this crab cake is absolutely fantastic. With this Roma sauce, it goes perfectly. Mm-hmm. Amazing seafood. Salvatore, so good. Thanks. So good. Okay, I'm glad to yeah. enjoy Perfect. So, you know, obviously the restaurant is so kind of intertwined with the Italian story in San Francisco.
8: Is that something that you're proud to be a part of? Yeah. When the Italians got here, they brought culture to San Francisco. Opera, they were very clannish, you know, have parties together, and they weren't in on the rough and tumble stuff that was uh, common. Gambling, the gambling was really big. But uh, when the Italians came here, a lot of them were fishermen. So that really brought something to, uh, to San Francisco. Fisherman's
2: Wharf began as a small community of Italian immigrant fishermen, and they brought their culture with them. They built their crafts in the style of the lattice rigged sailboats they used back home. They sold their catch fresh from the dock as they'd always done. When Joe and Al Scoma bought their small coffee shop stand on Pier 49, they were doing more than starting a business, they were supporting a tradition. And Scoma still does that to this day. Come in the afternoon when the fishing boats return from sea and you'll find third-generation fishermen, the grandsons of the men who sip coffee at Joe and Al's shack, offloading their catch directly from the dock. And it was those men, their families, and the ones before them who established this harbor. But it was almost, like the city itself,
8: wiped off the map. It started with the earthquake. And once things started to fall, you know, they had kerosene lanterns and things. But once these fires got going, there's no way they couldn't stay with it. My grandfather was a fireman, and he was an officer. So I knew a company that he had worked in. So I went, and they, they kept all of the, the journals in these firehouses. So I thumbed through 1906. I found where my grandfather He left and didn't come back for, like, three days. And these guys have come back beat to death, you know. My grandmother lived right up here in North Beach and her brother had a wagon and they loaded whatever they could take on the wagon and they walked out to, well, Laurel Village where out there there's cemeteries and things with open space. And people camped there eventually. (laughs) the fire burned out and they started immediately you know, rebuilding but, you know, all of a sudden there's nobody to give you a paycheck I don't know how these people got by How did San Francisco recover from that? like, and become the city it is today? The insignia for San Francisco is the phoenix the bird that come up out of the fire and they lived by that you know They said the smoke was still there and people were starting to build.
2: One of the things we're celebrating, and one of the reasons we're doing this story is that, you know, it's the 150th anniversary of the the cable cars, you know, the first manually operated cable cars, they're invented here and they're still going. Why do you think they're such an icon in the city? Why are they important
8: to San Francisco? I think because it is an antique, but it operates for daily transportation. And you know, it's not like riding a rail car. When you ride in the cable car, when they take off, when they get a good grip on the cable, there's a jerk forward. It's shaking and rumbling. And when you come down Hyde Street, when you look down, it's a bit scary. But I think the cable cars, the, the people that work on there are special people. You know, they like the job. And they're they're catering to to people that uh, are really thrilled to be able to ride uh, an antique like that. You hear the, the cables, click, 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 it kind of tells you where you are.
2: Tom, I tell you what, sitting here with you at the end of the line, at the end of our journey, eating this delicious meal together, by the bay here has just been the perfect end to our trip. Thanks so much, mate. Great to meet you. <laughs> so I earned my cape today. You, you earned it. I
7: don't know what you earned. You bought us lunch.
2: <laughs> it was time to get back on board one last time, now heading up the hill to where we'd begun. Our tour was nearly complete, there was one treat left. James, it's great to meet you. This is like the perfect end to our cable car adventure through San Francisco because you are the poet laureate of Dublin, not Dublin, Ireland, Dublin on the outskirts of San Francisco. But you're inspired by the city, aren't you?
1: Oh, the city's magical. I mean, it's a place that has so many elements that are unlike any other place in the world. I mean, the culture, the weather, the the hills, the cable car that we're riding on. I mean, just all these elements are just so unique. It's like you just, you can't find them anywhere else.
2: Well, I know you do a lot of recitals. Have you ever done a recital on a cable car before? Uh, no, this is definitely a first.
1: This is doing doing reading this poem on a cable car is such a thrill because it was cable cars that inspired the poem. So it's the perfect place. I'd love to hear it. All right. Caution cable car crossing stenciled yellow on asphalt outside a cavernous brick powerhouse. It all starts and ends here. Four continuous loops, wire rope stretched tight by tension shivs, turned precisely 9.5 miles per hour by winding machinery, motors and gears, massive and dripping with grease, until night falls and cars sleep when workers wake to splice worn cables in time for the morning rush. Gold rush inventor Andrew Halliday dreamt design.
2: Remember that fortune I wrote and placed in the cookie back in Chinatown, the one I wanted to keep secret? Well, I guess I will let you in on it. My fortune for anyone that wants to read is that these cable cars will still be running in another 150 years. San Francisco is the Phoenix rising from the flames. Fisherman's Wharf was built on the rubble of buildings destroyed in the earthquake. Chinatown rose from the smoldering embers of the fire that followed. And out of that rubble and ash came two of the most beloved parts of the city. That's the soul of San Francisco but it's also a melting pot of immigrants and dreamers. People have flourished and faced hard times. People who in the sixties and the LGBTQ rights movement that followed would go on and change the world. People who are still expanding those boundaries today. It's artists, it's entrepreneurs, it's indoor monsoons and ice Mai Tais. It's the strum of a guzheng, the smooth operators, the gripmen, the clunk of the track, the ring of the bell. It's never the same. But it's always San Francisco.
0: We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Now, back to the show. Thank you for exploring San Francisco
2: with me. We have more episodes to come, so please hit that subscribe button and follow us wherever you get your shows. You can also listen to James's full poem and the Guzheng performances on our bonus episodes on this feed. So please do check that out. And if you'd like more information about how to do any of the things featured on this show, please go to sftravel.com. That link is also in the show notes. Thank you to everyone who featured on this show. Gimme Park Lee from Walkwiz Tours, Fang Yi and her students Katie and Catherine at Shangri La Gifts in Chinatown, Josh and Michelle at the Fairmont and Tonga Room, Tom Creedon, Salvatore, and the whole crew at SCOMAS, our excellent tour guide Aaron Danzig, conductor Smooth, poet laureate of Dublin James Moorhead, and a very special thanks to gripman Val Lupez for letting us tag along. It was quite a ride. This show was produced by Armchair Productions, the audio experts for the travel industry. Find out more about our other shows at armchair-productions.com. I'm Aaron Miller. I wrote and presented the show and Jason Patton did the field recording and production. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.
0: There you have it. Special thanks to Aaron Miller for dropping me this episode and letting me share it with you. And of course, the folks over at sftravel.com or you can plan your next trip, whether you're a first-time visitor or a long-time local. You're going to find all the information you need there as well as links to the podcast. And if you search Exploring San Francisco and any of your podcast apps, you're going to find that show and you can learn more about the city and go on further audio adventures with Aaron and the gang. Okay, I'll leave you with a quote to wrap this one up from the late, great Tony Bennett. Of course, he has... The famous song I Left My Heart in San Francisco. And we couldn't wrap up the show without sharing this quote, which is a snippet from the song. It's from Tony Bennett. I left my heart in San Francisco high on a hill. It calls to me to be where little cable cars climb halfway to the stars. The morning fog may chill the air. I don't care. My love waits there in San Francisco above the blue and windy sea. When I come home to you, San Francisco your golden sun shine for me (laughs) i hope it shines for you on your next visit there thank you for listening and i'll see you next time peace and love to you and yours cheers
1: this podcast has been brought to you by zerototravel.com ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality